to Daniel today, but I definitely want to pray before we jump in. So if you'd pray with me. Lord, thank you so much for all that you do, and thank you for getting us up an hour early, <laughs> getting us here. Lord, I pray that, uh, that you would just speak to us today. This is all about you. God, this isn't about us. And Lord, as we come to Daniel 10 and kind of a difficult and confusing passage, I pray that you would illuminate your word to us, illuminate your power. Um, and Lord, increase our faith today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, so if you've been with us, we've been going through the book of Daniel, and I was really tempted to, to try to combine the last three weeks, or three chapters into one week. And as I got into it, I'm like, I, I really can't do that. So we're going to do this week and one more week in Daniel. The reason I wanted to combine it was because the end of Daniel is the hardest part to preach on. It's the weirdest. It's the weirdest part of the book. And, uh, but, but in kind of in diving in, though, there's something very human about Daniel 10 that I, I think uh, will speak to us today. But it, it does get a little weird. We're talking about um, uh, wars between angels and demons, and, and, and it's intense. It's intense. This is your, your uh, warning right now. It gets, it gets intense. And so if you're visiting today and you're, like, new to the Bible and new to the Christian thing, like this— this might seem a little weird. It might seem a little intense, um, but at the same time, it's 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 uh, totally part of what God wants to communicate to us because we get to see through the life of Daniel, Daniel who was faithful to God his whole life um, in a land that wasn't his own. He was in exile. He makes it to the end of his life, and he starts having these crazy visions of what God's going to do. Through, through the next chapters of history. And so that's kind of where we're at. We're in this next phase where Daniel is just an old man and he's hearing from the Lord. He's having these amazing visions of what God's going to do throughout history. And it, it almost mimics the book of Revelation in a way. And there's a lot of similarities between old Daniel and old John who wrote the book of Revelation. So I'm, I'm looking forward to looking at Daniel 10 today. And then we're going to wrap up with Daniel's vision of the end of the world, so that's going to be epic next week, uh, in chapters 11 and 12. But like I said, there's something really human about Daniel 10, because this story, while it contains prophecy, the book of Daniel contains prophecy, it contains history, it contains all that, it still centers around this human figure of Daniel and, what, and, and his relationship with God. And so as we start Daniel 10, we see him as a 90-year-old man. He's been faithful to God his entire life. He's been faithful to God his entire life, and yet we find him out on the banks of a river in despair, depressed. It says he's been mourning for three weeks. And you may wonder, if Daniel's been so faithful to God his entire life, why is he spending his waning years in grief? If Daniel's been faithful to God his whole life, why is the end of his life so hard? Maybe when we think of the end, of, the end of our lives, um, we, we think about warm beaches and Palm Springs or something. Um, but, but for Daniel, why is, he, why is it so intense for him? Why is it so difficult? Why does God have him enter into this time of mourning? And this is, sometimes I wish, sometimes I wish this was true 
as a Christ follower. Sometimes I wish that following God faithfully, following Jesus faithfully, meant that life would get easier. Anybody else wish that? Anybody else wish it was a formula where if I follow God God as, as closely as I can, that he'll just make life easy for me. And what we see in scripture and what we see in the lives of the disciples is that's not true. Is that following and being faithful to Jesus does not equal easier life circumstances. In fact, often God calls us to things that are harder and harder and harder and harder. Um, I, I'm a big fan of this show called The Chosen. Has anybody watched The Chosen? It's such a good show. Such a good show. And there's a there's a scene in there that's that's really powerful from season three where one of Jesus's disciples, James the Lesser, is having this conversation with Jesus. And in, I don't know if this is historically accurate, but in the, in, in this show, they, they give James a physical disability. And basically, he's watching Jesus heal everybody else except for him. And so he comes and he brings this complaint to Jesus, and he, he, he brings it before Jesus. And I love the line that they have Jesus say to him. It's like, Hey, I could heal you. Yeah, but you know what? I trust you. I trust you. I trust you that, that, that this, this ailment that you have is going to inspire others to faith. People will see the faith you have in spite of being healed. And I just thought that was really powerful. And also speaks to the fact that, f that faithfulness to God does not always equal easier life circumstances. But we know uh, that God is, is good and has a purpose uh, even in those moments. So this is, th this is the reality. As much as I want things to get easier following Christ, sometimes faithfulness to God does not equal easier life circumstances. There's always a, a blessing. God always blesses. But often the way God blesses is not the way that I, I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed with, like, a bigger house, bigger paycheck, you know, extended vacation, right? I think those are some of the things we look for, or, or maybe, like, James, his health. But um, that's not always the way God blesses. Sometimes God does answer those prayers. But what God often blesses us with is just more of himself, more of himself in our pain, more of himself in our grief, more of himself uh, as we struggle to figure things out. And so the question that Daniel 10 is going to lead us to ask today is how are you looking to God to resolve the turmoil in your life? How are you looking to God to resolve the turmoil in your life? Are you looking to God to change the circumstance? Or are you looking to God to give him more of yourself, more of himself? And we all are carrying burdens. We all come in with burdens that we carry, with struggles. Last week was, was beautiful. We actually took the end of service to pray and intercede for each other, to share some of those burdens, and I really want to do more of that. I think there's a lot of power in that. I think that's important. I think church is the place where we're supposed to share our burdens, where we're supposed to, to share and be supported and be transparent. But I think sometimes we have an idea of how we want God to resolve the tension in our lives. And it looks like a new job. 
or fixing, God, would you fix my spouse? Or God, would you give me a spouse? Or whatever it could be, it's God, do this, God, do this, God, do this. Just do this. I have a vision of how I want you to fix my life. But what if God wants to resolve our burdens in a different way? What if God wants to resolve our burdens by giving us more of himself as we choose to trust him? Trust is a choice. When we encounter hard times, we have the choice, okay, God, I'm going to choose to trust you. I may not feel like trusting you. I may not feel like everything is clear and I'm on the mountaintop with you, but I'm going to choose to trust you. And sometimes we just have to declare that, like, God, I choose to trust you in this moment. And instead of saying something like, God, I want you to dot, 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 I want you to do this. What if we started by just saying, God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. No matter what I'm going through, I want more of God. I want more of his presence, and I want more of his peace. So that's what we're going to see as we open up Daniel 10. We're going to see the state that Daniel finds himself in. And so let's, let's look, starting at verse 1, we're going to read to verse 6. This is what it says in Daniel 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great work. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, Daniel mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, or lips. I used no lotions until the three weeks were over. 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like a gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. So this is a pretty intense scene. So Daniel has been in mourning for, it says, 24 days. You know, he's been mourning for three weeks because of the things that God has told him. He's been in exile his whole life, and the vision God has, had given him is, is basically telling him that life is not going to get easier for your people. It's actually going to be hard, and he gets to see into the future and see it's not just Babylon and Persia, but there's going to be empires after. There's going to be Greece and Rome, and they're all going to subjugate our people. So it's not going to get easier as life goes along. And because of this vision, he's in mourning. He's grieving. He uh, says he doesn't eat any delicacies, no meat. He's kind of wandering around in the wilderness. He's not using uh, lotion, which if you could think about a a 90-year-old man in an arid climate, his skin would get kind of cracky, peely, like it could, could get sore, right? So he's not using any of that. Makes, it's interesting that he mentions that in, the, in Scripture, right? Like, uh, th- this, is, this is the suffering. This is the, the kind of suffering that he's enduring. But then, all of a sudden, at the end of this time, he has a visit with an angel. And the angel, the way it's described, it matches how angels are described in the book of Ezekiel. So there's some consistency between prophets and visions. And he gets this visit from an angel that's going to tell him about the end of the world. He's going to talk to him about the end that is to come. And so this, this mysterious man shows up at the riverside. And it says his body is like topaz, face like lightning, 
eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like burnished bronze, like just something that would be really, really hard to describe. Daniel's doing his best to write down what it's like. And then it says his voice is like the sound of a multitude. So I'm, I'm envisioning this mighty, crazy, angelic creature, and when he opens his mouth, it's like the roar of a football stadium comes out of his mouth, right? Just this all-enveloping, en very powerful sound. And this is the way that God answers Daniel's grief. It's not comfort. It's not a care package. It's an intense vision of an angel. And sometimes we can talk about angels in like a really cute way, like, oh, I must have an angel watching out for me. But this is like a super powerful, crazy display of, of God's power. Like it's, it's vivid. It's as real as if the angel was sitting right next to you. And so this is what happens next. It says, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. So here we learn that Daniel has friends with him, and they can't see the angel, but they can feel him, and they freak out, and they run. Right? So there's this immense power, but it's interesting that it's only Daniel that can see the angel. And you think about what Daniel's faithfulness has led to. Daniel's faithfulness has, has allowed him to see more and more of the truth, more and more of what's really going on, to, to where he gets to the end of his life, and he's standing before angels. And so all his friends flee, and Daniel is left alone, and he's weak, and he's terrified. He's, he starts to wilt, like he just, he's been he's been wandering the desert and now he gets this overwhelming vision overwhelming sight and he's just starting to wilt says his face turns pale and this is pretty pretty sensational i think it would overwhelm any one of us right to show up and have this vision and i was thinking about this and i was thinking about how how our relationship with god we like to kind of have god in in a box right like, there's, there's certain things, there's certain ways we, we practice our faith or we like to connect with God, like devotions, prayer, reading scripture. Those are really comfortable ways to engage with God. But God is way bigger than our box, right? He's way bigger than, hey, this is my nice and tidy Christian life. Sometimes God shows up in really sensational and powerful ways. Ways that require faith to believe. And for me, like, I'm always a little leery of, like, the sensational. But God moves, and if we believe that God is real, if we believe that this book is real, then we believe that God moves in the miraculous, in the powerful, in visions, in, in healing, in signs and wonders. God moves in sensational ways sometimes, ways that kind of blow up our previous categories for God. And I think if we're going to follow Christ, we got to be open to that. You know, uh, the disciples were sent out two by two uh, to towns and villages to, to heal and to heal the sick and, and cast out demons without knowing what they were doing. 
and yet Jesus sent them out. You can imagine being in their shoes like, are you sure? Uh, me? I, I have no practice. Maybe, can I go to school for a couple years and come back and try this? But God moves in, in crazy powerful ways, and that's how we know that he's real. And sometimes those ways don't fit into the kind of the box that we like to, we like to have God in. Because God is God, and he's going to encounter us in a way that will shake us and move us. And that's my prayer for us, is that we wouldn't encounter God in a way that seems mundane and ordinary and routine, but in ways that shake us, in ways that move us, in ways that are undeniably him. Right? That's my prayer. That's my prayer for us and, and for you. I hope he shows up in ways that are overwhelming to us, that weaken our knees. And here's how the angel speaks to Daniel. So this is, this is what the angel says. It says, A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up. I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. I have come in response to them. So this is really powerful. The words that the angel says to Daniel, he's not there to kill him. He's not there to scare him. He's there with words of comfort. This powerful display, eyes like lightning, legs of burnished bronze. And what he brings Daniel are words of affirmation and comfort. Now this, in the NIV, it translates it, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. But in other translations, it says, Daniel, you're, you're precious. You are treasured by God. You are most loved. And so that kind of gives us a sense of what the angel is saying. Like, his first words are not, are, are not a command. They're not to kneel. They're not to bow. They are, Daniel, you are most loved. And sometimes we need reassurance like that, don't we? Like, when God, when, when God speaks to us, he is all-powerful. He did create the universe, but when he speaks to us, he enters in in kindness. And sometimes we need that reassurance. We need to hear again that God loves us, that God is for us. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking, but I'm not like Daniel. Like, I've, I haven't been faithful in my life. Um, I, I've messed up more times than I can count. I don't feel close to God? How can God love me? And I just want to remind you of something that it says in, in Romans 8. Because you need to remember that God doesn't see you through your own righteousness and works, but he sees you through Christ. If you believe in Christ, he sees you through Christ's righteousness. This is what it says in Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. You're forgiven. And God sees you through Christ if you believe in him. Right before this, Paul's saying, oh man, the things I, I don't want to do, I do. The things I do, I don't want to do. Who can set me free? He's, you know, talking about active struggle. And even in that active struggle he declares that there's no condemnation, that God sees you through Christ if you believe. And, and 
Satan would love to keep you in your shame. He'd love to keep you in your guilt. But Christ didn't come to keep you in shame and guilt. He came to set you free from that so that he could see you as righteous in the righteousness of Christ. So you're not condemned. God loves you just as much as he loves Daniel. You are highly esteemed in his eyes. In fact, Luke 15 shows us that the story of the prodigal son shows us that, that it's us who make the decision to turn away. And when we turn back, God runs to meet us. When we humble ourselves, when we're honest, and when we turn, God runs to meet us. He doesn't wait. He runs to meet us because he loves us. And so I can say with confidence that God loves you and treasures you just like he does with Daniel. We don't do anything to earn it. We, uh, we get to love because we know that we are loved. We are loved by God. So while this story in Daniel is about a really faithful man, you need to know that God, God loves you just as much. So the angel here tells Daniel to stand up so he can receive this message from God. He tells him not to be afraid. And then he makes this beautiful statement of reassurance that I love. This part is great. Where he says, Since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Sometimes, I don't know if you're, you're like me, but I, I want to hear from God all the time. Anybody else? I would love to hear from, I'd love to get a daily email from God. Just like, what's going on in heaven? Um, what, what, what's the plan for today? You know, I would love to get like a daily email from God that would let me know uh, what's going on. Um, but we have, sometimes we have long gaps between the times when we really hear from God. Or maybe when we feel God, when we feel him close to us, when we feel him speaking to us, there can be gaps. And you know what those gaps are called? Those gaps are called faith, right? Those gaps are called faith. We might, we might hear it, God's call really clearly to us at one point in our life and then have years of struggle, or it, maybe it's shorter, maybe it's weeks of struggle. And we're trying to hear God's voice. We're seeking him. We're not hearing from him. But, but all that can go away in a moment when he speaks to us in a really clear way. And... It's not just that, what this angel is saying, is not just that God loves Daniel, but God actually sees Daniel. He sees what he's gone through. He sees his faithfulness. He's honored him from day one. And sometimes, if, you, if you're trying to live a life faithful to God, and you're not getting any feedback, it can feel like, oh man, nobody sees me. I, you know, nobody sees what I'm doing. And, and, um, and yet you see how God, um, when, when God shows up, that kind of all dissipates. Now, I'll say this, like, I really love this church because of how encouraging it has been to me and how encouraging it is to others. Like, I, I know from my perspective, like, I feel, I feel seen as a pastor. But I know there are a lot— I, in my, in my life, I've felt other, um, at other times, I've felt like, man, I'm, I'm plowing through, who sees me, you know, and I've, I've kind of been a complainer. I've been a complainer to God, and God has to remind me, no, I see you, I'm with you, and I probably in your life too, 
you're like, man, I've been serving really faithfully at this, and I'm not seeing any fruit. Um, God, what's going on? And, and it's so powerful when he shows up and he says, no, I have the plan from the beginning, and I see you. So, and ultimately what we want, I mean, we need to be encouraging each other because it's so powerful. Your ability to encourage others is so powerful. Just to, just to see people, just to recognize their faithfulness, just to tell people that you care about them, that you love them, it's, it's powerful, and we all need that. But ultimately, there's only one source of validation that we really want, and that's, that's from God himself. That's, that's when we show up one day before the throne of God, and God himself says to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that the validation you want? Right? To know that when you show up before the throne of God, that he validates you. That he says, well done, good and faithful servant. Like, I want to live for that kind of validation. Right? I want to live for that. So the angel tells Daniel, since day one, God has seen you and heard you. And you can imagine how that might have made this 90-year-old man feel. His whole life spent in a foreign land, being faithful in, in, in a spiritual desert, no source of life around him, save some friends uh, that he came with, and seeing God move in powerful ways. And here, at the end, God says, I've seen you from day one. And again, like, if, if God was never silent, life would not require faith, right? Life would not require faith. But how rewarding is it to get to the end of his life and, and hear these words from God? So after Daniel's lifetime of faithfulness, God is about to pour out this one last vision. And this is a lot like John in Revelation. John is in his 90s when he receives a word from God. John has been super faithful you know, and, and uh, he's exiled on this island, so there's, there's definitely some depression going on with John as well. And yet they both get these really vivid visions about what's going to happen at the end of the world. Like, these are, these are people that have earned God's trust, and he entrusts them with these, these really intense visions. Um, he gets these, this vision of a heavenly war, and, and some of us, like, like me, like, like, you know, I, I love the concrete. You know, I love, okay, God, you want me to, to love people? I can do that. You want me to tell the good news? I can do that. You want me to preach? Some people are wired to preach or to, to pray, uh, like spiritual warfare prayers. You know what I'm talking about? Like, pray against the, the darkness and, and communities and, and, and um, like Paul would say, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against this dark spiritual world. And some really like to enter into that. Others are like, um, I'm not so much, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I kind of like the concrete. But yet Daniel gets the curtain pulled back for him so that he can see this reality, this spiritual reality that's going on that we can't see, right? That's unseen. And, um, and he's overwhelmed by it. And so I wonder, you know, who we'd be most like, maybe put yourself in the story. 
if if you felt this angel would you be like daniel who's like just bracing in in waiting to hear or would you be like his friends that are like i'm getting out of here this is crazy what is happening right now but here we have this encounter uh, with daniel and this angel and the angel says this he talks about this spiritual war that is going on way above our heads he says but the prince of the persian kingdom resisted me 21 days by the way, that's three weeks. That's the time that uh, Daniel was in mourning. And Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained with the king of Persia. Now I have to explain what will happen to people in the future for vision concerns time yet to come. So what I like is the angel is talking to Daniel like Peter. He's like, oh man, I'm hung up by this like, like demon king, you know? He's just talking to him like a peer. And we get this glimpse into heavenly warfare. And I think about this idea of spiritual warfare, and you, you know, we can talk about cities and communities like they're dark, right? Like there's a, there's, we do pray for our cities, we do pray for our communities. Um, this says the prince of the Persian kingdom, like there's some kind of, like, dark spiritual influence over this empire um, in the heavenly, in the heavenly realm. And I just want to bring it down a little bit. Like I, because I can't conjecture what that looks like in in the world or how demons and angels are set up. All I can say is, sometimes you know when you're in a spiritually dark place, or sometimes you can feel spiritual darkness in a community, in a workplace, in a school. And what are we supposed to do when we feel those things? We're supposed to pray. Right? Because that's not our battle. We, we, need, we need to pray that God would enter into those spaces. And, you know, historically, some people have said, you know, that, that Blaine has been a dark place in a lot of ways. Right? And we've had, we had uh, you know, a history of, you know, bars and porn shops and, and all that. And, and people would walk around the city and, and pray. Like my friends Dan and Scott would pray for our city 40 years ago, 30 years ago. And even though all the, you know, all those places are gone, there's still darkness here that we need to pray into, right? There's still a battle going on. It's a battle that affects souls. It's a battle that, that, um, that, that affects the, the spirit of a town. When we pray, when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're welcoming the kingdom of God into a dark place. I'm not just saying Blaine is dark. I'm saying the whole world is dark. Right? The whole world is dark, and it needs the kingdom to bring light, to bring truth, to break through the darkness. So we should pray. So in this conversation, we get this picture, this battle that's going on, and we get this ruler of a, of a Persian kingdom, and then we get the, the mention of Michael, who is like the, the general of heaven's army, the archangel. Uh, which he's referred to in scripture. But let's keep going. Let's see how Daniel's doing with all this. It says, While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and I began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I overcome with anguish because of vision, my Lord, and I feel, How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? 
My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come. But first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. So there's a lot going on, but that's kind of where we're going to stop today. And while, because we're going to get into the vision next week. So if you want some really interesting, uh, you know, dinner conversation, come next week. We'll dive into it. But I wanted to end with how this angel strengthens Daniel in the middle of this weight. That, that he, the weight of this vision, this overwhelming vision, he says, do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Peace, be strong now, be strong. What I love about God is that he's the same God throughout scripture. <laughs> this is pretty similar to what he said to Joshua when he was getting ready to fight. Uh, this is basically the same thing that it talks about in Hebrews, about strengthening our, our feeble knees. God's message to his people in times where they feel weak is to be strong, to be courageous. But the blessing that he gives is peace. Shalom. He speaks peace over Daniel. That's not, he's not saying be peaceful. Peace is the command. Peace. He's declaring peace over Daniel in this situation. And I want to land there because I think that's so important. God declares peace over his people. It's not a peace that we can create or muster up. It's a peace that God just gives through his presence. So if we go back to, to the beginning where we started, where, where we're asking like, man, why won't God change our circumstances? Why is life so hard sometimes? Well, what if it's to feel the peace of God no matter what? Even in the dark times. And we're always, Jesus said, in this world you're going to have trouble. Right? No one's exempt from that. We're not supposed to, to experience all that heaven has to offer here. We get a taste of it. But Jesus said, in this world you have trouble. But what does God declare over his people? Peace. Shalom, that no matter what, they can trust that God is in control so that they don't have to be. They don't have to be. So here's my conclusion today. Daniel's faithfulness is rewarded by peace and the favor of God. Like, that's the reward. Man, I want to experience that. Peace, having peace with God, there's nothing like that. To know there's, you don't have a beef with God. When you have a beef with God, you feel it all the time. Like, you're, there's an internal war going on, internal discussion between you and God all the time over the things you're doing, over all of it. But when you have peace with God, there's no joy like that. There's no joy like that. And then to have God's favor. Like, what, what more could you want? To have the favor of God on your life? So Daniel, by being faithful to God, is rewarded with something that money can't buy. He's rewarded with something that he can't create in and of himself. 
the peace of God, especially as he gets close to the end of his life. He has that peace with God. Our peace as Christians comes from knowing that we are good with God, that we are secure, that there's, there's nothing between us, that, that, that we're tight with God. And so if you know that you and God are in a good place, that is peace. That is peace. And everyone can experience that because if you are in Christ, he has declared his peace over you. That's part of salvation, is having peace with God. It's not getting everything right, but it's having the grace and forgiveness to, to build a faithful life to God, to have his spirit helping build and guide your life. And, and peace is not always wondering like, oh man, am I, am I just messing up everywhere I go? It's relying on God and allowing him to build your life step by step. So that's a life worth surrender. So what we're going to do today as we close, I'm going to invite Brian up, but we're going to take communion today. And as we get into communion, um, and by the way, when we do communion, um, as Brian leads, as you feel led, just come forward. We have, um, we have bread and juice, and then we have the, uh, the sanitary <laughs> version, the cracker, which is gluten-free, by the way, and, uh, and juice all in one package. So if you like packaged or unpackaged, we have two available. Um, but what I want to dwell on as we get into communion today is how Christ's body and blood has bought us peace. And so I'm going to leave a scripture up here, um, or I'm going to share this scripture, and uh, it, just for us to dwell on, just to think about, okay, what what's the deal with communion? Why is Christ's body and blood so important? Uh, Romans 5 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So the peace you have with God, you didn't earn, but Christ did for you. Christ earned it for you through his, his death on a cross, through his blood being poured out, this is our peace. This is where it starts. And so my invitation for you today, as you, as you come take the bread and the cup, is to just think about that. And just, if you don't feel the peace of God over you this morning, ask for it. Because I know God wants to give it to you. He wants to provide his presence and his spirit and give you peace because Christ has bought it for you. So let's pray, and then you can come forward and we'll take the bread and the cup together. In, in a few moments. Lord, I pray for peace to just flow through this room this morning. God, your peace. God. Lord, I'm sure we're all wrestling with you on a bunch of different things. I'm sure maybe we're waiting for something to happen. God, maybe we're struggling to give something up. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray, God, that you would enter in that when we surrender those things to you, whether it's doubt, um, whatever it might be, Lord, that you would meet us with your peace. Lord, I'm so thankful that peace isn't something we earn. It isn't something we work for. It's just when we surrender ourselves to you. So, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for your body and your blood broken for us. And we celebrate that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
All right, why don't you come forward as you feel led to uh, take communion and bring it back to your seat.